Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to The Mining Pod. On today's show, we are joined by Charlie and Matt to go through this week's news roundup. We'd like to thank CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner, for making this show possible on the Coindesk Podcast Network. In today's show, we're going through Bitcoin price. We just pumped to 50K. Pretty nice for Bitcoin miners. Also go through the difficulty adjustment. Just went up 8%, one of the largest adjustments we've had in quite while and then we go through a recent lawsuit that just settled between coinment and katena and finish up talking about justin sun and his desires to build a bitcoin layer two solution okay on to the show Welcome back to the Mining Pod News Roundup, end of the week. A lot of Bitcoin stories, as always. We're going to go through price action, mempool update from Matt. Have a big difficulty adjustment coming up, and we just had another big one. And the halvening is looming. Then we'll go over and talk about a little insider industry Bitcoin mining news with what's happening with CoinMint. And lastly, we'll follow up with His Excellency Justin Sun. Talk about his uh, Bitcoin L2 plans, which honestly, I'm probably most excited to talk about that because I feel like we got the best expert for it besides Justin Sun himself. That would be Charlie. So let's go. First of all, Charlie, I feel like you wanted to jump in there. Feel free. Oh, no, I just it, it's this whole pod, This whole show is just going to be us waiting to talk about Justin Sun. But let's go to the <laughs> mempool. It really is. Uh, I'm quite excited for that. OK, let's go to the mempool. We're looking at mempool.space. Thank you to, for them making this awesome open source project. I'm going to hand it over to Matt almost immediately because I honestly don't have a ton to say about this, but I know you do. You did all the Dune queries on difficulty adjustments. Yeah, the notable thing that happened today at the time of recording is that there was just a large difficulty adjustment. We increased 8. 2%, which is the largest difficulty bump since February of last year. So almost a full year. Um, and if you remember last year, price was hot, just as it, as it has been at the start of this year. Uh, we started the year last year around 17,000. Um, and at this point, it basically went up to around 25,000. And so with the ETFs and the excitement, we are once again in a um, a very positive price environment. But just generally, I, I looked into, okay, what are the largest 
difficulty adjustments this halving period. We have the halving coming up, so I thought that would be a fun bit. And this one ranked in the top 15, which is interesting um, and very significant, right? Maybe uh, maybe S21's coming online? What do you guys think? Anything else besides price action driving this? Maybe I do have some stuff to say. There's a lot of hash rate going online right now. So Sandersville for CleanSpark just energized, put 14x of hash online in like a week, something like that. That's a crazy gain. Uh, and then I think we've seen a few other deployments. I think TerraWolf got like 7x ash, something like that. So a lot of these public miners that we have insights into are certainly deploying a hash rate at increasing speeds. And if these public miners are doing it, then we can probably assume that private miners globally are also doing this similar rate. Charlie, what are you seeing down in the Oklahoma scene? I mean, it was uh, actually finally made into the local news, a 100 uh, megawatt, soon to be two or 300 megawatt, uh, supermine, megamine in eastern Oklahoma. And um, in the local news story, no mention of Bitcoin, just data center. Uh, you know, I'm your local, I'm your Oklahoma Bitcoin mining bull. And I think this is the first of a lot of that. But I'm excited for that story to become not just Texas's, but also Oklahoma's. But man, these giant operations are coming along online everywhere, domestically, internationally. It's almost like, you know, if you think back about the, t- the typical deployment time for these is six months on an aggressive timeline. Uh, what happened six months ago? Price bump and fee bump. So maybe some capital got greenlit and started to be deployed. And we're starting to see some of those operations come online now. And if you think about it, you just think ahead. Bitcoin's had a nice price bump in the past month. So... You can almost just set a clock now and say, okay, over the summer, late summer, we should, we may see the beginnings of hash rate come online. That is if hash rate is responsive to, um, shorter term price movements. When I think we may be kind of decoupling into it and, and entering into more of a period of just constant energization. Why do you think they didn't put the Bitcoin stuff into that news announcement? I feel like that's always the thing people care about. Well, is there, you know, is there a Bitcoiner inside the local Oklahoma newspapers trying to you know, draw attention away from Bitcoin? No, I think it's one of those things where if you don't have to say Bitcoin, you might you might not you might not put it in there. Um, there's not a lot, depending on who you talk to. Sometimes there's not a lot to be gained. Like Northern Data tried to put in a 200 megawatt mine in Northeast Oklahoma, didn't mention Bitcoin. It was mainly HPC, high performance compute. <clears throat> they never turned that online, but this other uh, company, Polaris, uh, who I uh, I do uh, talk with them a lot, nice folks over there. They didn't mention Bitcoin in this particular news release, so I, you know, I'm curious whenever we'll see the flippening of more mentioning that it just admission that it's a Bitcoin mine and not some just nebulous energy intensive data center. Okay, well, you know, things are going up. That's expected. In terms of price right now, as a recording, we're at 51K. I think the biggest reason for this is, like we talked about last week, ETF flows are bullish now. So we saw a lot of outflows with GBTC, and now they seem to be net inflows. One asterisk on this, however, is a Bloomberg article from yesterday talking about how uh, there are some assets from Genesis that are now able to be sold $1.3 billion worth of GBTC. Genesis and Grayscale have a relationship as like a parent subsidiary company. And Genesis certainly had a lot of GBTC in its treasury. And now they're able to sell it 
So we might see that flip negative again if they sell, you know, quickly. Apparently, in the Bloomberg article, they, they state that they're going to try to sell it with the market and kind of like you know, eke it out there and not just dump it on the market. We'll see if that happens. But I think $1.3 billion worth of sell pressure is nothing or is not nothing. That's a significant amount of volume. Anything price update before we go on? Even the price updates two weeks in a row, that's not really us. But remember when we talked about like what would happen after the halving and we were trying to say whether it spikes up or goes down. And I think we all settled around it not being super eventful. And then it just kind of result in just constant buy pressure. I think that's that we're starting to see that play out. Yeah, maybe we should do a buy pressure segment on the show. We could do a dial-in from someone, again, like we did with Ben from BitFarms uh, a few weeks ago. That was Get fun. someone from Bitwise or something. Have them dial in. Oh, we should do that. Okay, let's pivot to our next story. This is from our friends over at the Miner Mag. Go and check them out. They have a great Telegram channel along with a great website with data on all these public Bitcoin miners. Uh, in this story, they're talking about CoinMint. CoinMint is an operation, mostly a hosting operation, uh, up in North New York, they use a lot of, like that Niagara Hydro Energy. They've been mining for, I think like six, seven years at this point. I don't know when they started, but what, they're one of the older, large-scale Bitcoin miners that have done hosting. This site in particular is about 500 megawatts deployed, mostly in hosting. It's not completely filled; it's probably like half filled as of the story. Here we're talking about how CoinMint has an issue with. Uh, Katena. Katena was, I don't know if they still are, but I believe they were at the time, an ASIC manufacturer. CoinMint had worked with them to purchase ASICs going into 2021 bull market. Things got messy though, really quickly. And only this week did we see the resolution with it all. CoinMint has to pay $14 million to Katena. Is that how you say it? Katena? Yeah. On top of. 20, I believe 23, 24 million in which they already paid that was just sitting idle. Right. So that's about $37 million that goes to this chip maker. Now, what does CoinMint do? They do hosting. Who are the relevant people that they're hosting? Two pretty decent sized public miners. I think CleanSpark and Bit Digital, I want to say. And I believe at one point Riot was also hosted at this facility, but is no longer. So I'm interested to see how big of a dent is this going to make on CoinMint? Does that then have ramifications if they're unable to stay afloat? Right. But I'm not speculating that's going to happen. What do you think, Will? Well, yeah, probably to to zoom out. And if you're listening, as opposed to watching this, you might be a little confused at this point because we kind of just dove right into the story. Essentially, there's been a settlement this week between CoinMint and Katena with CoinMint forced to pay the remainder of an initial payment for ASICs purchased back in 2021. The remainder of that purchase is $14 million. As Matt said, they already paid about $21, $23 million. What does this do for CoinMint and why did they have to do this? Well, they they tried to jump the line in 2021 ahead of everyone at Bitmain, but it was too expensive. All these pre-orders were already out there. It's a 12 to 18 month limit uh, to be able to get your machines. And so CoinMint said, hey, let's go find another ASIC manufacturer out there and try to develop something with them. They found Katena that was already building out its ASIC. Katena needed cash, though, to go and make the chips, which, which is called like a tape-out process, right? Where Katena went and designed the chip, 
But in order to build the chip, you have to go to TSMC or Samsung or one of these other chip foundries, and you have to give them a ton of cash to make this chip. And so Kateno is waiting on a client. There was a matchmake with Katena and Coinment, but then Coinment got cold feet somewhere in the process. And the question is, why? Why did they get cold feet? You know, they were already in, they were going to purchase this, they signed the agreement, and then they never delivered the money. And Katena was basically sort of holed up, apparently, according to this document, and then the final filings we're seeing here from the, the verdict. And they weren't able to produce the chips that they were assigned to because they didn't have the cash. Now we have some resolution. It looks like Coinmint just wasn't willing to play ball. They didn't want to give the money. Bitcoin's price was going at the, down at the time, and they're trying to get out of this transaction. And at the end of the day, like they still have to pay at least partial fourteen million dollars. It's not nothing. That's a pretty large sum. Yeah, at one point there was like a nine-month, twelve-month delivery timeline for ASICs, priced at a crazy premium back in twenty-one. I remember seeing those numbers, and and I think everybody was scrambling for alternatives. And then once we approached like late fall of 21 and rigs became more liquid and you could acquire them, maybe not cheap, but you could acquire them on a shorter timeline. I think a lot of people started looking elsewhere. So I can imagine this scenario, but it's wild to me. Like we're, we're clearly entering into a bull market now. And the last place you want to be is writing a big check to someone when you want to be deploying this cash elsewhere into your own operations. So. Um, it's crazy how the wheels of justice or the law and you know resolution comes at uh, by the time that the next cycle has been kicking off. Kind of crazy how the timing mismatch happens. In the competitive world of Bitcoin mining, one name stands out: CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. At CleanSpark, efficiency isn't just a goal; it's our standard. Our sophisticated facilities are built and led by expert teams who care about Bitcoin and the communities we work in. Scale? We've mastered it. Our large-scale operations have set us apart in the industry as examples of community-oriented building. Our track record speaks for itself. We navigate the complexities of the new economy with precision and with skill, continuously achieving operational milestones. Curious about how we do it? We invite you to discover the story behind CleanSpark's success at cleanspark.com. The reason why Justin Sun is once again in, in the news and, and relevant uh, to this particular podcast is because Tron, uh, the Tron Foundation, right, of which Justin Sun is the notorious leader, as we've been discussing, has put Bitcoin L2s on the roadmap and that he is particularly interested in, I believe, ordinals and BRC20s. Charlie's your expert domain. What do you think of this? Man, it's not a bull market until Justin Sun pivots and embraces something. So here Justin Sun is. And if you've been paying attention to the world of venture and where does crypto capital get deployed, it's going on to Bitcoin right now. Everybody and their mother and their dog is launching an L2. So here comes Justin Sun, not to be outdone. Nobody does it bigger than Justin Sun and Tron Dow. But um, he announced that they're launching an, a Bitcoin L2. Didn't explain what it is. We don't have any information except it's happening. Um, I expect this to be a notable uh, layer two, again, using the term layer two very loosely here. 
And um, yeah, I mean, this is from the guy who who runs the network, which settles the largest volume in, in stable coins, like by a considerable amount. Um, a lot of the USDT, I mean, the majority of the USDT um, is settled on Tron, and it kind of powers the emerging market of stable coins. So um, this guy is doing something on Bitcoin. Maybe it's just a direct connecting Tron, the network, more closely to Bitcoin. Who knows? Um, you know, I rem- I'm reminded of like the is Solana an ETH L2 or something, and maybe Tron <laughs> itself will get very close to Bitcoin. Who knows? Um, all I know is that Justin Sun, one of the most entertaining and fascinating people of the past decade in the story of cryptocurrency, is doing a Bitcoin L2, and I think it will be a notable thing. I'm just curious how it'll work. I am too, but. What I'm more interested in is if this can create a competitive user experience in the stablecoin market that actually leads to a large share of stablecoin settlement ending up on Bitcoin, because that would be truly significant. I mean, I would argue that the main purpose of kind of generalized crypto systems, and I'm I'm saying that term, but you know what I'm you know what I mean? Generalized crypto systems is stable coins and stable coin settlement. Um, it's highly significant. And Justin Sun has proven that he can he has created the dominant crypto rail to settle stablecoin activity. And if he then builds that on top of Bitcoin, I will welcome him with open arms. I will say it. Um and I, I mean, this is, there has been much debate over time of how and really if we should kind of doctor the traditional financial system on top of Bitcoin, how that could even happen, whether it should happen, does that change the properties of Bitcoin? How could you settle transfers of buzzword alert, real world assets Right. But people still see the dollar as the predominant transactional currency. And I think stable coins are a example of just how much that is true because of they've, they've grown tenfold in less than five years. Right. And as I was saying previously, about 10 percent of total crypto market size, but about 70% of on-chain transactions. If that is then stacked on top of Bitcoin and the and it is settled in simple peer-to-peer Bitcoin-denominated transactions on the blockchain, that will be significant in the fee environment without question in my mind. You know, it's the uh, it's the heuristic that the most ironic outcome is the most likely. And we've seen this, you know, time immemorial in Bitcoin and broader crypto. And this would be hilariously ironic. And so therefore, I think it's more likely to happen than not. So I love that idea, Matt. Um, It's wild to me that we can kind of see some of the crazy narratives that are going to, you know, define this coming cycle we can see them we can see their genesis and talk about them live and when we go back to this episode a year or two from now uh it'll be great to kind of 
you know, maybe do one of those flashbacks. Like, what were we talking about when Justin Sun brought um, uh, stablecoin liquidity to Bitcoin? So I'm just here for it. Uh, my, uh, I got my popcorn out and I have my um, Tron, uh, my Tron compatible wallets ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I, as you said, at that point, with with or without an actual product, right, we are seeing a lot of funding pour into the prospect of Bitcoin L2s. Um, and it will be really interesting to see. I'm, I would be most excited about, I think, uh, a competitive stablecoin experience to come out of this. Um, and it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see. I'm a, I'm a big lighting fan. People are building all sorts of different kinds, right? And how will this impact the soft fork debates that are happening? I mean, truly it's, it's just an exciting time. The most exciting time ever. It's a uh, Bitcoin's auto monolith and that presents new challenges and new exciting opportunities. So we lost will about halfway through the Justin Sun conversation. Um, I will wrap this up, Matt. Thank you for listening to The Mining Pod and uh, make sure to stream this and subscribe on whatever platform you are, Spotify, YouTube, Coindesk. Thank you all. We'll see you again next week. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.